0: We find ourselves in a series called Balance, and it's hard to try to find ourselves in that middle part when you hear this passage of Scripture. On the one hand, you've got Cain and and murderers and being apart from God, and the other side is love, to love God. And so I believe that our call is to tip the scales in favor of love to be completely unbalanced, and then by doing so, we provide to the world a way of balancing the scales in hopes that one day the world will tip in favor of love as well. So I'm reminded of a story of a woman who was surprised one day at church when another woman who had often snubbed her went out of her way to give her a big hug before the service. She wondered what had initiated her change of heart. She got her answer at the end of the service when the pastor instructed, your assignment for next week is the same as last week. I want you to go out there and love somebody you just can't stand. You see, if loving others were only as easy as giving a hug to someone you didn't like, then I think we all could excel in love. Just hug them and move on, right? But love's a bit more difficult than that. It requires this continual effort and hard work because the heart of loving others is putting the other person ahead of you. And that is always a huge battle. Our default mode is to revert back to selfishness, not to love. For this reason, the New Testament as a whole and the Apostle John in particular never tire of exhorting us to love and to love. John was originally known as one of the sons of thunder, but he became known as the apostle of love. After his conversion, everywhere he went, he brought this calmness and peace and people wanted him to stay. Love characterized his life. Love is his prevailing message. In fact, Church Father Jerome said that when the Apostle John was in his extreme old age, he was so weak that he had to be carried into the church meetings. And at the end of the meetings, he would be helped to his feet to give a word to the church. And invariably, he would repeat, little children, let us love one another. The disciples began to grow weary of these same words every time, and they finally asked him why he always said the same thing over and over. He replied, because it is the Lord's commandment, and if this is only done, it is enough. Like driving a nail into a board, John hit the commandment of love one another again and again. Five times in this letter of First John, we are reminded of Jesus' command to love one another. He wanted to make sure that we understood that this is not an option for the believers, for those that trust in God. Love is this distinguishing mark, a necessary ethic in our world today. Later in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, John delivers this final blow to the nail and it says, If you do not love others, you do not know God. It's a bit harsh to hear at times, right? Knowing there are those that I might look the other way. Love can be an overused word as well, right? We say, I love my dog. We say, I love the eagles, right? Or the other side. I love the bulldogs. It's for (laughs) y'all. I love cheesecake. I love a good book. I love the beach. I love kids. Love is a very misunderstood word. In fact, one woman wrote, dearest Ben, No words can ever express the great unhappiness I have felt since breaking our engagement. Please say that you'll take me back. No one could ever take the place of you in my heart, so please forgive me. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Betty. And P.S., congratulations on winning the state lottery. Love too often is thought of as a sentimental feeling or this shallow emotion. But love is much more. It is much deeper. Balanced love, this love that that tips the scales towards God, seeks the highest good of others. I believe a a version or a definition of what love is is love is self sacrificing. It is caring commitment that shows itself in the highest good of the one loved. At its heart, love is a commitment that's not without feeling, it is a caring commitment. This balanced love is love involves delight, not just duty. It's not just attitude, but action. It shows itself in deeds. The deeds require self-sacrifice. We see this supremely in Jesus' death on the cross. The goal of this commitment is the highest good of the one loved. Well, there are many things that love seeks to accomplish for meeting basic needs, food, clothing, and shelter, to pursuing the highest of personal worth, value, and accomplishments in others. When we believe in Christ, we take the next step of faith and begin the walk of a Christian living in the image of Christ and allowing love to flow within us. If we look at our scripture today, we see that John restated the command of Jesus. This is the message you have heard from the beginning, our scripture said. We should love one another. John was not making this command up. He didn't originate the idea of loving one another. Loving originates with God. The command to love one another was from the very lips of Jesus Christ. A new command I give you, he says. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, they will know you are my disciples if you love one another. He instructed, Jesus instructed his followers to love one another. It's love beyond duty, love beyond attitude. It's a love of self-sacrifice. The early believers fulfilled this command. They loved one another. The Greek writer Lucian said of the early church, it's incredible to see the fervor with which people of that religion help each other in their wants. They spare nothing their first legislator, Jesus, has put it into their heads that they are all brethren. It goes further than the church, Father Tertullian said, It is our care for the helpless, our practice of loving kindness, that brands us in the eyes of many of our opponents. Look, they say, how they love one another. Look how they are prepared to die for one another. So this is Greek writers from A.D. 120 and a church father, Tertullian. What would outsiders describe us today? Are we fulfilling the command of Jesus to love one another? Do our hearts reflect the true balance that God wants in us and to love and love abundantly? Is that part of the definition, the core of who we are. But how do we know what love is? I say that word and then I instantly go to the song, "I want to know what love is." Sorry, I didn't mean to ruin that for y'all. But John sets forth this perfect, supreme example of love, the sacrifice of Jesus. John said in our passage, this is how we know what love is. That Jesus laid down his life for us. Laid down involves a deliberate, willful act that demonstrates his love. Love is a matter of will rather than just emotion. It's more than warm fuzzies. It's a, a conviction of heart. If you want a portrait of love, look to the life of Christ. He illustrated by the way he lived. He never showed hatred or malice. He only got angry over injustice, but that was motivated by his love of people. He went out of his way. Christ went out of his way to help even the follow, those whose fellow Jews despised. He crossed racial cultural and geographical barriers to care for people that may mean we need to go up north or out west I know that's hard because we like the south right but we can cross the geographical barriers he reached out to the unlovely and the castaways of the world but the ultimate expression of his love was when he went to the cross sacrificing his life for us I didn't earn it or even deserve it. It's as though Jesus was asked, how much do you love humans? And he stretched out his arms and said, this much. A picture is worth a thousand words. Look to Christ and you will see the very embodiment, the personification of love. But now let's face it, most of you won't be called on to make the ultimate sacrifice. But I believe we can make small sacrifices of love each day. I heard of a man who came to God and said, I want to give you $10,000. And God said, instead of giving me $10,000, I want you to give each day one and two and $5 gifts to people in need. You see, I think that's what John had in mind here when he wrote the words, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions in season and season in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in them? Little children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and in truth. You see, love is expressed in the daily acts of service. And help that may not equal much, but when you add it all together, it equals so much. John informed us that Christian love is personal. I think these verses do an interesting thing. He speaks of brothers and sisters, plural, in verse 16. But then there is a deliberate and significant change in verse 17 when he speaks of brother or sister in the singular. He knew then what we would say today, I believe. It's easier to love humankind than to love that one that lives with me. It's easier to love the world than my neighbors that I have to interact with. It's easier to love the church than to love the person sitting across the aisle. We all have people in our lives that we don't like. In our family, we call them the smelly kids. But what do we do? How do we balance that, that feeling of not liking and the feeling that God, the command that God has given us to love? We have the ability and we see a need, so we need it. We forgive people when they hurt us. We do good for others. We bless others. We pray for others. We help them. So, if we go back to that definition of love, love is self sacrificing, caring commitment that shows itself in seeking the highest good of others. Love acts. The brutal truth about love is that it boils down to obeying the command of Jesus by displaying our actions of self-sacrifice to others. Do we show the signs of loving the world around us? Do we love so much that we tip the scales away from murder and hatred and malice to a world of love? I'm here today Standing as a preacher because of the love of my home church, I was a loud, obnoxious, over-the-top, I know this is surprising, little girl, but I had a church family that loved me. They told me about Jesus. They taught me about the Bible. They gave me an opportunity to serve And they recognized the call of God upon my life and began the steps of putting me into ministry. They saw something in me that I did not see in myself. They loved me. They loved one another and they loved me. You see, I believe at Pittman Park, we are doing that. Have you been blessed when children stand to pray? or read the Word of God, when they serve in Holy Communion. We open the doors for them to stand in this place at a holy moment and say, God loves me. These people love me enough to receive me. We welcome them. We welcome all. One of the beautiful things about the United Methodist Church is we open the doors for all. At this table of Holy Communion, you don't have to be a member of this church or a member of any church. You come seeking the love of God. Let's take a moment as we prepare our hearts and go to God in prayer. God, challenge us now to continue to love, to know your presence is guiding us and to feel your presence among us every step of the way. May we love faithfully. May we love abundantly. And may we give ourselves to others in service of you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.